Hello, this is the brief for the five love languages by Gary Chapman. Brief one, what happens to love post the wedding? First thing to understand in this book is that people speak different love languages. Now, Gary Chapman was an anthropologist who studied linguistics, and so he looked at major language groups around the world. And you have to understand that language differences get bridged by someone learning the other person's language. So what Gary came to understand, Mr. Chapman came to understand, Dr. Chapman, is that different people have different love languages, and you need to speak the love language of your spouse and vice versa. Brief two, keeping the love tank full. The need to feel loved is a primary need for everyone. You can see it in children who have the need to be loved to become stable, productive people. They need to know that they belong and that they are wanted. And in fact, one of the big sources of misbehavior in children is because they have an empty love tank. He gives an example in the book of a 13-year-old with a, an STD. And part of the reason that she did what she did was because her parents divorced when she was six years old. She wanted to be loved. Her mother remarried, but she felt there was no one who loved her. They had each other, but there was no one there for her. And so she gave into sex um, for that reason. And marriage is designed to meet the need for love and for intimacy that people have, according to Dr. Chapman. Remember, the word speaks of being one flesh, that two people become tightly meshed together in an intimate way. Yet many are in pain in marriage, and a critical spirit derives from an empty love tank, is what Dr. Chapman would say. Brief three, falling in love. He gives an example of a young lady who he knew named Rachel. At least that's what he calls her in the book. She's 36 years old at this time. He's known her since she's 18 years old. She comes up to him. She's delirious. She's marrying someone she's known for three weeks. The person that she's going to marry has been married twice before, has three children, has had three jobs in the past year. But we see being in love as being the foundation for marriage. And it turns out that there is a lifespan for romantic love, and it's about two years. And after that, then we see people as they really are. And at that point, in many cases, marriage becomes a battlefield. At this point, prior to that point, they've really been focused in on each other's needs. But at this point, they begin to express their own needs and they are different um, than what they were in those two years that they were, quote unquote, in love. You might say that they fall out of love after two years at romantic love ends. So what's the way out of this trap if one is to build a lifelong relationship? Dr. Chapman would say that it's making a decision to serve the other person's needs. And this starts by understanding their love languages so that you can make them feel that they are loved. You know, the golden rule is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I think Dr. Chapman would say, do unto others as they would have be done to them. And so the first love language is what he calls words of affirmation. And this is essentially using words that build up the other individual. In the Bible, it says that the tongue has the power of life and death. So verbal affirmation has power. 
the power of using compliments when your spouse does things that you like. Compliments and encouraging words. One example in the book he gives is a story about a husband whose wife had been turned down by a publisher first time trying to publish a book. And he read her draft, thought it was excellent. He encouraged her. He gave her clear and very specific compliments about her writing. He told her he could see it, what she wrote. He could visualize it in his head, that it was very clear, uh, easy to understand, and that she had a real gift. And his encouragement caused her to continue on and actually become a prolific published writer of something like more than 10 books. Now, caution, pressuring your spouse to do something is not words of affirmation. Love is kind, the word tells us, and so kind words matter. A soft answer turns away wrath, the word also tells us. So there is not a demanding or anything like that because it's a partnership, and these are two equals. Demands are what happens from one who thinks that they're above another, and that's not the way that it is in a relationship, um, especially between believers. Love keeps no account of wrongs, as the word says in 1 Corinthians. So we need to confess our mistakes ask for forgiveness, and seek to do better. And our words need to be humble, uh, as opposed to demanding. And there's a need to understand what each other want and need. And so one of the things to do would be to keep a notebook where people use words of affirmation. And, you know, like uh, say you're reading a book or you're hearing people and, and apply it. Um, you know, to your wife, your spouse, uh, your, you know, apply to their lives. Another thing here, as far as this whole situation goes, remember that the word says, Paul says, do not be unequally yoked together. And what he's saying is, if you're a believer, you need to be with a believer. The word also tells us that a threefold cord is not easily broken. That's you, your spouse, and the Holy Spirit. Another thing here is with respect to your spouse, you should be bragging about them to others. In fact, recently I saw a Psychology Today article that said much the same thing. You can sort of look at the brag quotient, how much someone brags about their spouse to others. That tells you a lot about the relationship. And the power of just compliments, uh, especially for people whose love language is words of affirmation. And Dr. Chapman thinks of it as like a love tank. And you, by speaking the other person's love language, you fill up their love tank. The person whose love tank is full is a completely different person than the person who's running on an empty love tank. Brief five, quality time. Quality time is about giving someone your undivided attention. So this is the love language of someone who wants to spend time with with their loved one. Things like walking together, really focusing on them, looking them in the eye, not doing anything else, but focusing completely on them. It might be listening and talking about the day. It might be talking with your children, for example, about their school experiences, playing with them, taking a vacation with everyone once a year, taking lunch together, weekends together. But it's focused on listening and questions, understanding the other person. It's about understanding the pressure that they're under, their emotional needs. You have to put down all the distractions so you can't have your mobile phone or be looking at your monitor or reading a book or anything else. You got to be focused and concentrating on them for people whose love language is quality time. Important to understand their feelings, 
listen to what they're saying, listen to what they're not saying, but what's coming through about their emotions. Look at their body language and get a sense for how they're feeling. Don't interrupt. It's said that the average person interrupts after 17 seconds, um, but don't do that. Listen for folks whose love language is quality time and learn to share your feelings as well. You might exercise together. Um, you might write out when you feel most love and get a list of five things that your spouse would like to do with you. You can even talk together as you do chores. These are the kind of things you can do for the spouse whose love language is quality time. Brief six, gifts. Gift giving was part of every culture Chapman studied. He went various places. He went to, to the Dominican Republic, to the Mayan culture, examined the Mayan culture. He looked at the Melanesians in near Australia. He looked at Eskimos, the Anus of Japan. In every case, gift giving was part of the culture. And so he tells a story about how when he was in the Dominican Republic, his guide who he worked with had, had lost one hand. But he had a brother who he told him to go get him a drink. And so his brother went and climbed a coconut tree and cut down a coconut, punched a hole in it, and that was his drink. In other words, some effort was expended in that to give him that. So he understood that the gift, you know, it had value. It cost something. So what are the kind of things that you can do for someone whose love language is gifts? Well, first, make a list of the things that the gifts you've given your spouse that they really got excited about. And remember that physical presence is a gift. It's the gift of self. And it's a very good gift for a gift whose spouse, for a spouse whose language is gift giving. Ask others to help you who know your spouse. What kind of gifts do they like? Don't forget this gift of presence. And choose a book in their area of interest and then read it together with them. And these are some of the kind of things you can do for someone who loves gifts and whose, whose love language is gifts. Reef 7, Acts of Service. I once knew an individual whose mother was actually uh, deaf and she had mentioned her mother had never told her that she loved her. Her mother could sign, of course, and so could she. But I listened to her talk, and she had told me her mother had come over and had cleaned her, her apartment out for her and done some things like that. And immediately I knew that her mother, her way of expressing love was very much like my grandmother. My grandmother's way, she would never say the words, but she would do things for you. She would you know, ex exert her time. And do something like she uh, scrubbed my knees for me one time all day to get them scrupulously clean. And that was the way that I knew she loved me. And I knew that that was the way that this lady was expressing her love for her daughter was through acts of service. And so most likely the way that a person expresses their love to you, that's usually their love, their love language. And so with acts of service, it's things like doing the chores. So for some women, this might be vacuuming the the, the vacuuming the floor for them, vacuuming the house for them what might be an act of love for them. And so there was someone who they had gotten into a trouble spot in their marriage. And the reason that this lady had married him was because he was the one who helped her. Like they would work together and do the chores like after she finished school while they dated. But they quit doing that after they got married. And so 
this she you know her love tank became empty and the person whose love tank is full versus the person whose love tank is empty they are two completely different people so here you can list three or four things that would make you feel loved if your spouse did them and you have to do the things that your spouse actually wants done and understand that when you get criticized by your spouse it's really a way that they're asking you to help them meet a need that they that that's being unmet so they're asking you to help them feel loved Brief eight, physical touch. Now, it's known that there's been studies done on babies in orphanages and ones who were not touched. Actually, I read that they, that they actually died. But certainly babies need to be held. They need to be stroked, kissed. And those who do, they grow up to have a healthier emotional life. Physical touch is about holding hands kissing, hugging, and physical intimacy, the biblical knowing of each other. There's a power to such things like hugging, for example, in times of grief. I found that women instinctively understand that in many cases. And when you're suffering from a loss, I found that after the loss of my spouse, that almost every woman would, would give me a hug, and it really made me feel much better. Uh, guys... Not not as don't understand that as well, but there, but there's a power to that, especially in times of grief. Holding hands, um, and you can do things like give them gifts of a tactile nature, if their primary love language is physical touch. So this would in- include things like uh, soft cotton robes, or you know soft slippers, or a really plush pillow, or rubbing their back and telling them that you love them at the same time, a massage. Touching them even around other folks. These are the kind of things you can do to fill up the love tank for someone whose love language is physical touch. Brief nine, figuring out what your primary love language is. So now that we've gone through these five primary love languages, words of affirmation, quality time, the giving of gifts or receiving of gifts, I should say, acts of service, physical touch. How do you figure out which ones are your love languages, our love language? Well, one thing to do is look at what you give to others and what you do for them to show that you love them. That's usually a really good indicator of what your love language is. And what do you criticize in others? Like, what is it that, you're, that you want? Like, do you criticize them for being critical, for example? That might be an indication that your primary love language is words of affirmation. So you're looking for folks to compliment you, encourage you, build you up. Think about what makes you feel good. And then think about what have you asked for most from the person that you're in a relationship with, your spouse. And remember that you make a choice to love, that it is a decision, especially as a believer, one believer to another. And you make a choice to speak their love language, not your own. In the book of Matthew, Jesus tells us to love our enemies, to do good to those who hate us, to bless those who curse us, to pray for those who mistreat us, and to do to others as we would have them do to us. And so is it possible to actually, in this scenario, uh, fill someone's love tank up even when they're not trying to do it themselves? In other words, can a one-sided effort work? And Dr. Chapman presents several examples of cases where it actually did. Because once you begin to fill the other person's love tank up, then 
eventually they begin to respond. It's just part of that process where we said a person is different when their love tank is full. So before giving up, this is something that can be that can be tried. I hope you've enjoyed this. Remember, there are five different love languages. Everybody needs to be loved in a different way. Your job is to discover through conversations with your spouse, conversations with people who know them, thinking about how they react, what they do, etc., what their love language is and love them in that way. There are five of these. Words of affirmation, the person who needs compliments, encouragement. Quality time, the person who needs to be focused on, to have time spent with them together with you. The receiving of gifts, the person who needs to receive gifts. Acts of service, the person who doing things for they see as love. And physical touch, the person who back massages or rubs or hugs equals love for them. Hope this helps you in your relationships. May the Lord bless you. Remember, a threefold cord is not easily broken. Yourself, your spouse who also is walking towards the Lord, and the Holy Spirit who's bounding you together. Hi, thank you for listening to this brief. We have plenty more at ChristianBrief.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-B-R-I-E-F.com. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And hope you check out some of the other briefs at ChristianBrief.com.